It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm all turkeyed out. I have enough leftovers to last me for another year. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it, you know. Um, but it's an awesome thing because when we do it at home, we always talk about the things we're, we're, we're thankful for, you know. And, and, you know, I think that like, we take a lot of things for granted. You know, like, like, unfortunately, I'm one of these people that tries to stay as current as possible, so I'm always watching and reading things, and, and when I see the, 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 the need across America, right, the, the, the hunger and, and people who are on lines now waiting for a, a box of love or groceries or, or something to, to relieve them and be able to bring a smile to their children's faces because they don't know how they're going to get that next meal. And then I walk into my home and there's, there's so much abundance and, and it just drives me crazy. You know, everybody's decorating and it's great, like it's fantastic, you know, we want to rejoice. But I don't want you, I don't want my family to ever miss out on the opportunity to bless somebody else. To be aware of our neighbors and to be aware of the people that we run into regularly. We are so, at times, insensitive to the needs of others. Yes. And we have to, you know, we have to really come to grips with that and say, man, I can really be a selfish individual. So I want us not to be that. I want this church, we as the pastors and leaders of this church don't want us to be that kind of people. So anytime we see you acting selfish, we're gonna poke you. But we're gonna say, you know what you're doing? <laughs> it's not about you, it's about him, it's about them. It's about what they need, amen? So today we're gonna celebrate. Today's Celebration Sunday, all right? So, so here's what we do in Celebration Sunday. We forecast for December, so if you have a birthday in December, please stand up, let us know your name and your birth date and how old you're going to be. Ladies, you don't have to do that. I know you, you know, a little think about your age, but go ahead, John. Hi, my name is Sean. Uh, my birthday will be on December 22nd, maybe. Uh, I'm It's just those years and active addiction that we forget, man. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, I stopped counting after 18, man. So that's it. Um, anybody else has a birthday? Yes, sir. Wow. Uh, wow. Anybody else? Birthday, 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 birthday. Go ahead, please. Wow. Notice she sat down really quick, they didn't tell us her age. <laughs> That's one thing you have to protect, right? Anybody else? Happy birthday. Okay, great. What about a wedding anniversary? Anybody have a wedding anniversary? Oh, Betsy. Go ahead, Betsy. What, what, what day, babe? December 3rd. Awesome. Anybody else? Married. Married in December. Joe. December 2nd, six years. December 2nd. Anybody else? Okay, what about clean dates? Clean dates. All right, all right. I got a bunch of people sitting here. Go ahead, Ron. Awesome. Yes, ma'am. Hi, my name is Sharon. Uh, December 
awesome, kid. It's awesome. I think he's our youngest member, right? All right. A little late. Let me tell you, my birthday will be two months. I'll be 83 years young. Anybody else? Dar, yeah, yeah, bro. What date was that, Dar? Six. Six. Awesome. Awesome. This is awesome. This is what we do. We celebrate. Look around the room. We got some clean time. We got people who are stuck and people who have stayed. And coming up on that year, that's amazing because we talk about the miracle, right? The miracle of God. Like, like, don't. You know, don't leave, don't, you know, just stay, be still and know that he's God, you know, because at the end of the day, he's the one that's going to work things out. He's the one that's going to, you know, dredge things up and remove things in your life. If you allow him, if you allow him, amen. amen. All right. So I got a couple of announcements and then the uh, ushers will make their way through the room. Um, so I just want to remind you, um, Bexy, Bexy, you can stand up really quick. We're starting a new life in Christ class. And what that is, is it leads to membership, right? If this is a place you want to call home, you know, you want to find out about us, right? You want to, you want to ask these questions. I teach the class, so you've got access to a pastor. You can ask them any questions you want, and we walk you through uh, the new life in Christ. It runs somewhere between four to six weeks, depending how fast we do it. Um, I don't like rushing through it because I like to hear your stories, and I need you to hear the church story and understand that when you become a member, you have certain responsibilities. So at the end of the service, if you're interested, the class is probably going to start sometime in mid-January. There you go. And it's going to be on Zoom. So everybody has access to come on and be a part of it if you're interested in finding out about membership. We don't ask anyone to become a member that doesn't want to become a member. But when you do become a member, you have responsibilities to this local church. Amen? Everybody got that? All right, great. So at this time, as the host prepare to make their way through the room, just realize there's a lot going on, right? Um, you go on our website, rhowbk.org. Um, there are ways for you to give online as well. There are stuff going on from prayer groups. How many people in this room participate in the prayer group? All right, bunch of folk. Amen. Okay, good stuff. So we have prayer groups going on literally five days a week except Thursday evenings. Six days since they started a Saturday one. Thank you, Francis. So, so six days, except Thursday at six, because Thursday at six, we have our Bible studies, right? Warrior Soldiers Men is on. The women have their Bible study as well. So there's a bunch of stuff. Listen to me. It is imperative. I say this all the time. First and foremost, you're coming to a church. If you're here for the first time, you're excused. We give you a pass. But if you've been coming around for a while and you really want to be a follower of Christ, you need to invest in a Biblia. A Biblia is a Bible. Invest in one. If you don't have one, please let us know. We'll try to help you get one. But it's important that you begin to engage yourself in the Word of God. It's nice when you get these little alerts on your phone and you read one scripture. But that's not the great narrative of God's Word. Amen? So it's important for you to, you know, get yourself a Bible, start reading it, not only one day a week, but every single day. If you don't know how, we would help you. We'll give you devotionals. We'll give you things that you can do. That's what we want to do. But you have to understand that the word has to be something that you hold here, but you also keep here. 
so that you can use it when you find yourself in the situations that we've been speaking about in the last five weeks. Amen? So just, just understand that. This is, you know, take a snap picture of it, whatever you need to do. There's a bunch of stuff that's going on. We just have uh, Thanksgiving that we celebrated. Pastor's going to come up after and talk about it a little bit. But just know that it was, we, I don't know, I, I think we served over three, 400 people. I think we ran out of turkey, right, to the end, right? <laughs> don't, don't worry, I did the same thing at home. This is turkey. <laughs> but, um, yeah. That's it. Just give it a flavor. But it was amazing. I mean, I walked here and, and the amount of people that were working, the amount, you know, the lines going around the corner. I mean, it's, it's, we do it every year and I'm not surprised by the amount of people that we serve. And, and normally we have a huge banquet in this room and we bring people in and we sit them down and we love on them. But this year we had to do this whole sidewalk thing. We had to prepare a meal to go. And even then, that was done in such love and care and concern for others that it really reflects the heart of this ministry. Amen? So as the hosts make their way through the room, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to do one thing, or really two things. One is, shut your phones off. If you're in this service and I'm standing in front of you and you're on your phone, you're being disrespectful. Straight up. I teach high school. I take phones. That's what I do. Can see me? It's my phone. So it's just in this moment that you're here, you don't want to be interrupted. And it doesn't, listen, you, I sit right there. When I'm not preaching, I sit right here. Right, bro? I sit right there. And I cringe every time the phone goes off. I do. Because it's at a moment when whoever's standing here is delivering to you the word of God. So please silence your phones, okay, so they don't interrupt the service. We don't have a long service. We have a very short service. So for whatever one hour that you're here, just let it be you and God. You and God. Amen? Amen. Just let it be you and God, okay? And then, of course, if you have to step out the room, do it quietly, not to attract attention. Can we agree to that? Amen. 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 That's just church etiquette, guys, because I know when you come in here, you're coming into a church. And if you're new and you're coming around, we just want you to grow and mature in that. Amen? So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you once again. We are in awe of your loving kindness and mercy towards us. Your provision to us amazes us. It keeps us in awe. Oftentimes, Lord, I, I pray that you remind us, Lord, that you're not only providing for us, but you're providing so that we can bless others. And Lord, this is an opportunity for us to do that, to return to you a mere portion of what you've given us, that we will realize that we're sowing seeds in a garden we may not see grow. And because of that, Lord, we will celebrate to know that we had a part of it because you invite us into relationship of worship. And Lord, this moment is about worship. It's about where our heart is. It's about realizing, Lord, that it all belongs to you and you call us to be good stewards of it. And Lord, if everyone here would just spend a day in this place, a whole day, and see the amount of work that goes on, the people that come to our doors in need, the provisions that you give to us that we're able to distribute to them, they would just spend a day, Lord, this moment would be a moment of rejoicing 
we will bring gladly, celebrating what belongs to you. So Lord, bless this time. Bless each and every person in this room as they develop that heart, Father, to return to you a mere portion of what you've given us. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we all said, amen and amen. As the hosts make their way through the room, once again, I am Pastor Gus. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, we continue to try to um, bring the word in a way that you'll be able to take it with you and use it uh, in your lives. Amen. We've been in a series, and that series has been called The Land Between, Finding God in Difficult Transitions. So it's important that these difficult transitions of your life that you realize that there are moments you're going to find yourself in this place where um, you're going to need help, right? And we're going to need help. And, and, and a lot of times what happens in that moment is that we forget. We, we forget what God has done. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you forget. You're coming out on a year, don't forget, it, it's, it's God who did that. You're coming on an anniversary, it's God who did that. You're coming up on a birthday, it's God who did that. Right? Like, like we assume that what we've accomplished has been in our own strength. And we rely on our own strength in those moments in our lives where things become difficult. And that's why we falter. Because as human beings, we are frail. We can only do but so much. Amen? So I always say, you know, to everybody, you know, that I talk to, try to stay connected. Try, try to stay connected, right? You know, I, I use the outlet as an example, right? So, so you know, everybody wants to charge their phone, right? And, and, and if you have a short cord, that means the phone has to stay here. You move away from that, and what happens? You're disconnected. And what happens a lot of times is that we don't stay connected to the community that God is using to nurture us and grow us, and we don't stay connected to the power source of our lives, which is Jesus Christ. Now, now, Jesus Christ is not just a, a cutout that you can take a picture with and say, I know this guy. You, you have to be able to walk with him and be with him and listen to him and spend time with him so that you begin to know him. If you've ever, ever been in a relationship, the one thing you always ask for is time. So let's stand to our feet as we read the scripture. We've been in this scripture for a little while, so I'm not going to read scriptures 1 through 30. I'm going to pull out one, and I just want everybody to read it. Amen? I want all of us to read it in a loud voice. It's just a short verse. Amen? So, so now, you know, so, so let's go to it. This is verse 14. Amen? This is... It should be 14. This is 11. Okay, there it is. We're reading just verse 14. Everybody see it? Just verse 14. Don't go into 15, just verse 14. We're all reading it together, okay? We've all been in this place. We've all come to this place, amen? We've all arrived at this place where these words become so real in our lives, amen? So the count of three, let's read it together. Read it out, ready? One, two, three. I cannot carry all these people by myself. 
The burden is too heavy for me. Let's do it again. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. You may be seated. I want you to know that that's true. That's true of you. That's true of me. That's true of all of us. I want you to know that you cannot carry the burden all by yourself. And some of us have been trying to do that. In the last five weeks, I want you to know that it's human nature to avoid things we don't like. Right? Like, I don't know about you. When my kids were growing up, they, they hated the green stuff that came out of the, the, the little baby foods. Right? It, 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 just the color turned them off. Right? So, so vegetables was something that, that we avoid. Right? So, so there are things that, that's human nature that we avoid them because we don't like them. So for the last five weeks, we've been in a series that has revealed to us that when things happen that are unexpected, we find ourselves between the then and there, between what was promised and a promise fulfilled. There is a place with no physical address. This land between, this here and now, has no address. So you can't Uber your way there. You just wind up there. Now, whether you wind up there by chance or the choices you made, we find ourselves in this place and in this place we agreed here that our faith can go there to either thrive or die. And when we find ourselves between the then and the there and this here and now, our faith is the one thing that we either need to cling to or we wind up giving up on. In Numbers 11, chapters one, you know, chapter 11, verses 1 through 30, God has given us a glimpse into the lives of a people. We, we talked about how God made a promise to them and then began to move them towards that promise that he made to them. The promise was just a land of their own, right? A land where they could have sovereignty. And I got to tell you, guys, if you don't see the story of this overarching thing that God happens, because the Israelites never had a nation, never had a land. And I got to tell you something, that in God's time, Israel became a nation. 1948, nation was birthed, and this group of people now had a place that they could call their own. Now, now, you have to understand that because what he's doing, right, as we're watching this story unfold, when I see the story and you see them in the story, what happens is that when they're going through things and they find themselves in this place, they react rather than respond. How many times have you reacted? How many times has something happened in your life and rather than taking a pause and thinking it through, you react? And then when you react, you then catch yourself realizing, I just blew it. I just blew it. I said something, I did something, I should have thought this thing through, right? If you're going to make a major purchase in your life, you cannot react, you cannot be impulsive. Does everybody understand that? So, so, so we see this story unfolds and what we've asked, right, of everybody in this room is not to look at it from afar. Don't read the story and see the Israelites and say, man, why are these people doing that? And why are they complaining? Don't they realize how good God is? We ask you to insert yourself into this narrative so that you can experience it with them. Because I'm almost certain that each and every one of us, when we find ourselves in this place of difficulty, we react the way that they reacted. We're not exempt from it. 
we're not exemplary, but what we're trying to do in this series is to teach us some things that when I find myself in this place, watching what I just watched and experiencing what I just experienced with the Israelites in the scriptures we read, that I will not react the way they reacted, but that I will respond. So the first thing that we mentioned in the first week was that you had to be awake. You had to be awake. What does that mean? That you had to own it and take responsibility for where you find yourself. Once you get past that shock, once you get past that moment of amazement, once you get past that moment of, oh my God, this is happening, that you would just pause for a moment and be aware that all your senses will be intact, that you wouldn't be numb, that you wouldn't be walking around like a zombie, but that you would say, whoa, okay, I'm here. God, what do I do now? In week two, we talked about how it is easy for us to find ourselves in that place and that we are prone to complain. And we see that constantly, right? And we said that we need to evict complaint and move in trust. Now, we're not complaining about God or about the situation, but we're taking our complaint to God. There's a big difference. When you complain about God, God, you messed up. God, you're no good. God, there's people, you know, they're crazy. You know, no, no. You need to take your complaint to God in a form of questioning and saying, God, why is this happening? And I got to tell you something. Often, God is going to respond. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Amen? The third thing we uh, talked about in week three was that we had to listen up. While in this land between that, we had to understand that oftentimes we find ourselves grasping for answers from different places. We'll call our friends up, you know, we'll, 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 we'll go on the internet, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll call, you know, whoever we call in moments where we find ourselves in difficulty. And what we're saying is that we can easily get caught up in that mob mentality and follow the pack rather than pausing and sliding to the right and spending time with God. Amen? So, so we have to be mindful, it says, that the faithfulness of God is for us to cling to his promises, not the words of everybody else, but what God has to say about this moment. Because I got to tell you something, and it was shared from the pulpit, is that oftentimes you find yourself running with a group of people, and you begin to act like them. And your values and your beliefs somehow get compromised because, and I'm going to say this as gently as possible, because a lot of us are still looking to please people. And we lose our own conviction. We lose our own identity because we want to be part. Now, now people say that peer pressure is just something for adolescents. That's not true. That's not true. The peer pressure is still something that we experience as adults. So we have to be mindful. Okay, I don't want to be part of the mob. I want to listen up. I want to be still and listen to God who has to say rather than what everybody else is saying. In week four, we talked about how fear can invade our thoughts in this moment. When I get that news, when, when I get that report, when, when that relationship is not going well, I say, oh man, I've been in a relationship with my life. Now what do I do? When I'm alone, what do I do? Like what do I go to? Who do I turn to? And we talked about how fear, when it floods and invades our senses, it, it causes us to flight, fright, or fight. And we said that fear is false evidence that appears real. And then we combated that with this scripture. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Some of you got to get this. Okay? Because you're in that place right now and you're afraid. 
You, you know, the situations that are going on around us, you're afraid. You're afraid about losing your job, your employment, your health, right? You know, um, you know this Thanksgiving was different, man. Like, like I normally have a full house, and, and, and we have to be mindful of social, you know, like bringing people into our home. But, you know, it, it's just crazy because it's altering your life. And it's so easy for fear to invade your life at that moment. And you're like, oh, man, I'm scared. I mean, there are stories in which grandparents didn't want to be with their grandchildren because they didn't want to be exposed to anything. And a grandchild asking why grandma and grandpa are not here this year. And fear sets in. But for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm going to say that again until you get it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is not of God. Fear doesn't come from God. It says here that God gives us what? Come on, people. He gives us what? Power, love, sound mind. Power, love, sound mind. That's what he does. Amen. And last week we talked about how um, um, when, we, when we find ourselves in these situations that we think that we're alone, we're not. God has created this is what he's done. This is beautiful. Huh? God not only sends people around you that are like-minded, not only does he do that, but he creates a community where he can nurture you and remind you you're not alone. When Moses complained about, I can't do this, God said, I know you can. I'm going to send you help. Yeah, yeah you, you didn't get that one, right? You're going to get it on the way out. It's going to be too late. You got to get it now. When you find yourself saying those words, this is too heavy for me. I can't carry this burden. I, I can't carry this, this, this moment in my life. I need help, God. God says, I'm going to send help. I'm going to create a community. I'm going to create a prayer group. I'm going to create a men's group, a woman's group, a marriage group. I'm going to create a place, a community of like-minded people so that you don't feel alone. And you can share your burden with them. Now, I left that screen up there before so you can see everything that's going on. Because if you're in this room and you're not connecting with any of those groups that are going on, it's a, it's a wonder why you feel alone. It's a wonder why at times you feel like it's too much. Listen, if I didn't have the community that I have around me, I would be left to figure this out on my own. And I got to tell you something. I can convince myself to do some weird stuff. I don't, <laughs> I really can. Like, like there's a community up here that I'm st still trying to evict. Up here. I say, no, you got to get out. <laughs> you can't live in there no more. So God creates this community up there. And this week, this week we're going to talk about time. We're going to close this series out with time. So we've given you some things to be aware of when you find yourself in that place. But I want you to know that it's, time is essential for God to do his best work in this land between. When you find yourself, I, listen, after six weeks, I want to get out of this place. I'm tired of standing here. I want to move this sign and put it somewhere else. I don't know about you. Maybe you're in that place right now, that land between. Maybe you're in here now and you're saying, how long? How much longer? Do I have to be here? We talk about what time is it. We're talking about we're running out of time. 
Uh, we, we talk about, you know, uh, even now, like how long is this service? Everything is increments of 60 seconds. And, and we think about that. But I want to let you know that in order to find God in these difficult transitions of life, we have to fight back the thought that there is a microwave solution or a quick fix for this moment. Because there isn't. What I mean by microwave, if you've grown up in a microwave era, you know that you're going to have a meal in two minutes. They're called TV dinners. Right? Anybody ever? Like I grew up on TV dinners. Right? So much easier. Parents were not there, working, go in the refrigerator, grab a TV dinner, that's your dinner. You put a hot pocket in two minutes, you got a sandwich. That's not how life is. It's not how life is. There are no quick fixes. Anybody ever try a quick fix? Anybody ever try to figure things out really quick? Yeah. Where did it get you? Yeah. Right? So that's what we want to dive into today. Listen, so I want to share something at the very beginning so that you know, right? There are verses in the Bible that I don't particularly like. Come on now. Right? I don't particularly like them because they ask me to do the opposite of what I want to do. Right? Like, like think about that, right? It talks about we got to love everybody. And I'm like, God, you don't know him. Like, I'm talking to God that way, right? It sounds ridiculous, right? Because God does know him. Right? God does know her, but he also knows me. And there are things in me that he's trying to figure out, right, for me. He wants to reveal it to me so that I can stop looking anywhere else except to him for what I need. Did you carry that? A lot of us still seeking validation in other places. So for me, it's like, I, I, you know, I read this and I don't, uh, I don't really like it, so I steer my way around it. Like there are some times that I do that because I, I want to do the exact opposite of what it's telling me to do. So, so, but this statement that we're about to read, it answers a question that we all need answers to. Amen? And the question that it asks is this. What do we do when there is nothing we can do? When it is what it is, and I don't particularly like what it is. I'll read that again. Because this is the question that this statement is going to answer. What do we do when there's nothing we can do when it is what it is, and I don't particularly like what it is. Between the then and there, there's a here and now. Between the promise made and the promise fulfilled, there is this land between. What, what do I do when there's nothing that I can do? When what is, is, and it's, I'm powerless to do anything about it. What do I do? Now, I want you to be clear that these words are not my words. <laughs> Okay, so don't shoot the messenger. I'm simply delivering them. Okay, this, this is something that I myself, as I've studied and I've read, I've had an issue with. Because in James chapter 1, I'll, I'll start out with James chapter 1 because we have to identify who James is in this story. And, and James is a servant of God, right, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not sure if you understand who James was, but James, this writer was the brother of Jesus. Okay? So I'm going to sit up straight because it's the brother of Jesus that's talking. And he experienced his brother's life, 
his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. Hence why he says, I'm not only a servant of God, but I'm a servant of my big brother. Everybody see that? So James says these words, amen? So I, I'm, I, listen, it would be foolish not to take his advice. I, I want to take his advice. Again, don't shoot the messenger. This is a message that he's delivering to you in the place where you're at, in the moment that you're experiencing, in the here and now, in the land between. He says these words. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> you, you see what I don't like this? Right? Come on now, can we feel that? Can we feel the impact that that brings into our moment right now? Because you're telling me that in the moment where I got that news, in the moment when I'm experiencing that breakup, in the moment when I'm alone, in the moment when I'm struggling, in the moment when I find myself my weakest, you're telling me, James, to consider it pure joy. I find these words passive and insensitive because, James, you don't know my story. <laughs> James, you don't know what I'm going through. And oftentimes, that's our response. But, but you have to understand something. And let me explain to you a little bit about James. Not only the experience, what happened to his brother, but James becomes the leader of the Jerusalem church for 30 years. And this is a community in crisis. They're being persecuted. They're, they're being attacked. They're being killed. Not only that, but they're finding no support around them. And they are poor. 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 Does anybody in this room know what it's like to be poor? To be locked out of opportunity. To not have access to the basic things that you need. We're not talking about an individual. We're talking about this individual who had to lead this church for a long time. And this is what he's writing from. He's telling us to consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That word consider talks for us to rethink it, to reframe it. So when you find yourself in that place, he's telling you, you need to think about this moment in your hearing now differently than what you see. Because as they were experiencing that, they didn't realize what God was beginning to do in them. There was a people that didn't know about worshiping him that now had to learn about worshiping. Because their greatest obstacle heading into the promised land was this place called Jericho. Jericho. So understand this. As he's doing this, he's teaching them to worship. He's teaching them to look up to him. He's teaching them to trust him. And let me tell you something. We only read chapter 11. You got to read all of Numbers. These people don't stop. They're relentless in their complaint. They're relentless in their bickering. They, they, they just go on and on and on and on. And God is long-suffering with you and with me. He's patient with us. Why? Because he sees past the here and now. He sees past your land between. He says, rethink this. Rethink this when you face. Other scriptures say when you fall. When you face, it's this word in Greek that talks about being surprised. When you're surprised about the unexpected, and we are, what do you do? He says, consider it pure joy. 
<laughs> Do you see why I can struggle or you can struggle with this scripture? Because he's telling us, consider it pure joy. But, but let me tell you something, what it's doing. What it's doing when you find yourself in this place, it says this in the next part of the verse. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith. So what's happening in this moment where you find yourself in the land between? What's being tested? Your faith. Your faith. Remember we talked about that your faith either is going to thrive or die in this place. But you find yourself with that news, that relationship, that situation, right? The stuff that's going on around us. When, you, when we learn of this, it's, okay, what do we do now? He says, consider it poor joy because what? What's happening is that your faith is being tested. And he says, testing is the process used. Watch this. Testing is the process used to determine the authenticity of something. <laughs> right? You want to test gold, what do you do? Right? Come on now. Right? You want to test if it's good, what do you do? You drop a little thing in there, you shake it. Right? Listen to me. He's saying here specifically that testing is the process used to determine the authenticity of something. In this case, your faith. Now, be mindful that faith isn't how we get God to do stuff. That's not faith. Faith isn't a superpower. Faith is simply confidence that God already has done something. That's what it is. So I'm standing here and I'm coming before God and I'm trusting that he's already taking care of it. You see what's going on? When we're in this place, it's your faith that's being tested. You who love to read your Bible, who love to listen to sermons, who love to listen to music, who come to church, who carry your Bible, who say amen, hallelujah, glory to God. When you find yourself in this place, and you will, it's testing the authenticity of your faith. The land between exposes your faith. These moments that God uses is where we discover something about ourselves, about our faith, and about God. When circumstances deteriorate, when things get difficult, artificial, counterfeit, and what's in it, excuse me, and what's in it for me, faith deteriorates right along with it. I'm going to say that again. When things get difficult, when you find yourself in this place, it says that that fake faith that you've been practicing because you've been in it for what you can get, that artificial faith that you've been talking about in which there is no evidence in your life of it, it says here that it goes to die in this place, the land between. Because it was never faith in what God has already done. It's faith in what you can get out of it. It's faith because you think God is here to do stuff for you. It's faith because you wear a t-shirt and you think superpowers. How's that working out for you? The next part of this verse continues to build. Again, what is he doing? Consider it pure joy. Why? Because your faith is being tested. And then he says, this is what happens as a direct result. It produces perseverance. 
Try to find myself in this place. Consider it in pure joy. My faith is being tested. And what is it going to produce? When my faith is tested, it produces perseverance. What is perseverance? That I can handle it. That I can handle it. Not I, but the God that's with me in that moment. But that, that the God who loves me, so in that moment, it's producing perseverance. I discover something about me that I could not have discovered any other way until I got to this place. Let me tell you something. When I got to this place, I realized how fearful I was. When I got to this place, I realized how much I lacked. See, there are things that we discover based on these situations that we would not have discovered otherwise. Pressure, trials have a way of exposing your faith. My faith, our faith. Do we believe that God is on the move in this ministry? Do we believe that God is doing things that he's promised to do and, and that he's already done them and all we got to do is step out on faith trusting that he's already doing it? Having confidence in God. Because difficult transitions, what we do with our faith, it's like a muscle, right? A muscle doesn't grow unless you exercise it. Exercise it. In this moment, I'm exercising my faith. God, I believe in the blessed assurance that you have told me that you're not going to abandon or forsake me, that you're with me, that you're for me, that this is not my destination. My destination is heaven. And therefore, in the process between earth and heaven, there is a work that you've called me to do that you've chosen for me to do. Now listen to me, I've said this before, not all of us are called to preach, but all of us are called to reach someone else. If each person in this room decided that they would go out of their way to exercise their faith and speak to someone else and invite them into the fold, we would not have space to be able to contain everyone. It's called growing your faith. It's important for us understanding that exercising your faith only allows you to be able to hold up under this moment. The holidays are always sad times, especially if you lost someone recently or lost someone close to the, to the day. So Christmas is not Christmassy anymore. Thanksgiving is not Thanksgiving anymore. But here's what I say to you. Please hear me. The people that we have lost that are no longer with us deserve that we live our best lives. The investment that they made in us throughout the years, the nurturing, the care, the provision. Man, I still, listen, I don't drink coffee. I don't like coffee. And no offense to anybody in this room. The only one that I drank coffee with at 10 years old was my grandma. And she made it in a colador. Anybody know what a colador is? Okay, it's like a sock, right? Right? And a little silver thing. She kept it on the stove. And I used to wake up in Puerto Rico to the smell throughout the house. And she would sit there. She drank it black. It was nasty. She had to sweeten mine up a little bit. But I would sit there with her feeling like a grown-up as people walked by and, and, and said hi to her. Listen to me. My grandma deserves... The investment that she made in me would not be for me to wallow in self-pity when the, when the holidays come up, but I would reminisce and be empowered by her love 
for me. When you're hurting, find someone who's hurting more than you. And there's no greater place for you to experience that than right here, Monday through Sunday. Rather than sitting home, put on your mask, get your temperature checked, wash your hands, and come in here and make some eggs. Right, Sean? Make, make, make some eggs. Say hi to somebody on the line, because i got to tell you something. Once we give them food on the line, we don't know where they go. So the people that have invested in you, people that have invested in you, deserve you. Pick your head up. Stick your chest out. And honor them by the way you live today. Amen? Next verse says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what's perseverance going to do? You got to let it finish its work. It's going to mature you. Come on now. Can't be little girls, little boys anymore. This moment is some big boy, big girl stuff. Based on what we provided for you, you now have to realize that what James is saying is let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, nothing lacking. And listen to me. I'm going to just sum it up. This is what he says. This is just me. It says this. Let perseverance complete its works so you will be complete. Let perseverance, let you be still and know that he is God, having confidence in him and what he has promised to you, in the embrace he has given you, in the whisper that he's speaking to you, in the way that he is sharing himself with you, that you would allow perseverance to complete his work. And this is why I said we're going to talk about time today. Because human nature wants to run. Human nature wants to numb the feelings that I'm feeling. Human nature wants to avoid and deny those things that hurt us. But I want you to know something. That finding God in these difficult transitions is so important to us because it's in this moment that God is doing his best work in you. It says that the tension in your life, what you're feeling in this place, the land between the here and now, it's in that tension that your life is in the epicenter. Anybody know what an epicenter is? It's where everything emanates from. Right? If we talk about an earthquake, it has this epicenter. Something starts from here and builds its way out. And what he's saying is that your life is the epicenter of God's activity. You did not choose it. It chose you. It came into your life by the choices you made or by chance, unexpected surprise. But here we now, we're going to own it, but we're also going to come to God and say, God, this is not mine. This is yours. Yeah, you didn't hear that. You're still holding on to things that you need to let go. You're not aware that the more you let go, the less maturity you will experience, the less completeness that you will experience. 
And I'm not talking about Jerry Maguire, you complete me. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that perseverance does something. It strengthens you. Why? Because this is not your destination. God made a promise, and God is not man that he will lie to you. God is faithful to his promises, right? You want peace in your home? Then stop being so crazy. You want to experience love? I was going to say something else, but listen. You're going to experience love? Learn what love is. Love is not lust. It's not. And we know what love is, right? God's love for us is that he loves you right where you are. Think about that for a moment. Because you know what you've done last night. You know what you did last week. You know what you're planning on doing the week afterwards. You know what you're planning on doing right when you leave me. You know what you're thinking about right now. But in the midst of that, God's love is that. And lust is not God's love. Lust is living under Satan's temptations. That's what he does. And what I'm asking you to do is just what it's saying here. It's saying, okay, so, 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 so at the end, he says this in verse 5. I'm, I'm coming down. I'm going to close now. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, woo, it says you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and will be given to you. Listen to me. I don't want wisdom. I want relief. When I find myself in this moment, I don't want wisdom. I want relief. But let me tell you something. Wisdom leads to relief. It's like a valve that opens up and leaves the pressure go out. It's, that's what God said. He said, let, let, listen to me. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, Right? It's not finding fault in us. He's saying, okay, it'll be given to you. God, I need wisdom in this moment. I don't want to react. I want to respond. Amen? Because it's important for you to understand that right now where you find yourself in, whoever you are, what are you praying for right now? Like when you find yourself in this place, what are you praying for? Isn't it true that our trials inform our prayers. Isn't it true that whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're experiencing in your life, that that's what you've been praying about? And I want to share with you that rather than try to pray it away, because this is what we're doing, right? We're asking God, remove this, lift this, get me out of here. Right? That's what we're saying in our prayer, aren't we? Come on now, let's be honest. I don't want to do this anymore, God. I don't want to be with this. You know, like, I don't, I, our prayers, because of the trial that we're in, inform our prayers. And what I want to say today is just this that the thing we want removed or removed from is the thing that God has chosen to use to form us into a person of faith and trust in Him. The very same thing that you're asking God to remove or to be removed, that, that you would catch and think, maybe God is using this to form me and to make me a person of faith and trust in him. You cannot in this land between miss the power, the presence, protection, and provision in this land between. There was a moment in history 
that's been recorded in the Bible in Matthew chapter 26, 39 or 42. Real simple. Jesus was battling with the flesh. 100% human, 100% God. And his desire for self-preservation and comfort, we do that all the time. His struggle was intense. Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, the Bible says. And look what he says, because I want you to cling to the last part of this. He says, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But he was talking about this cup passing is the suffering that he had to endure for you sitting in your seat. He was saying, is there another way? This battle that we have when we find ourselves, is there another way? So we get on our knees and we cry out and we start to pray and say, God, remove this, take this away. And I'm saying that maybe, maybe that very thing that you're praying for God to remove is the very thing that he will use to make you a person of faith in which you're trusting in him. Jesus used these words, and I pray that when you find yourself in this place, that you rethink, reframe your prayers, and begin to use this line here. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, God. Not my way. I want to run. I want to numb my feelings. I want to get out of here. I want to go to that next phase in my life. And God is saying, not yet. Rather than praying about remove it, begin to accept it as what God is going to use to that very thing that you've been praying for a long time ago. God, grow my faith. Help me to mature in Christ. We find ourselves between the then and there, between the promise made and promise fulfilled. We find ourselves receiving news that's unexpected, that we will be still and respond to things. And realize, it's not my will, God, but your will. Jesus was committed to the will of God, body, mind, and soul. And the prayer of the righteous is always dependent on the will of God. I cannot tell you what this series has done for me. I've reframed and rethought things. My prayers have changed. Rather than remove, rather than take it away, I'm saying, God, whatever it is you want to do in me, I've discovered some things about myself in this place. And I hope that you have too. And I hope that you don't try to figure it out on your own. I hope that you reach out to the community around you and begin to submit to what God has provided for you as a way to help you to grow in what you want to be. I think everybody in this room wants to be a follower of Christ. I truly believe that. How do I do that? If I don't trust God, how do I do that? If I don't fully believe in God, how do I do that? Be still. Stop looking at the time. Learn what you have to learn in this moment. Because these moments come frequently in our lives. That's what transitions are. You know, when I first got my uh, AARP card, right? 
Yeah, I figured you guys get a laugh at that one, right? Like, I got my IRP card. I didn't think much of it until I was able to get a discount. Like, I walked up to this aquarium in Florida, and they said, you know, certain age. And I was like, yeah, I got my card. Took it out. Went to the front. The guy looked at it and says, come on, you're not 50 years old. I said, what's wrong with you? I want my $3 discount. Took out my ID, and I gave it to him, and he says, man, most 50-year-olds in Florida are walking with canes and walking. I said, you, you're truly blessed. And I told him, yes, I am. God has preserved me. God has kept me. God has reminded me that is his power and his will and his provision and his protection and his presence that will see me through.